1: This is the Carriker and Smallman podcast powered by I promise. Now here's Carriker and Smallman.
3: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. It is 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We have a lot coming your way today. Greg Amzinger, as a matter of fact, at the bottom of this hour. It's going to be another nice day in St. Louis, so if you want to leave your home, office and go out and play golf today at noon it'll be 57 degrees sunny and 61 at one o'clock and it'll be 64 in the three and four o'clock hours michelle
0: 64 degrees on december 10th not bad yeah, I think a lot of people need to take a personal day and go play golf.
3: <laughs> I agree 100%. You can text us if you're going to go play golf. 65780 <laughs> is our Air Comfort Service text line. You can reach Michelle on the uh, socials at Smallman on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on the Insta as well. I am at RJ Carricker and at Randy Carricker on Twitter. A couple milestones before we get to the fact that the Blues were screwed by the NHL. <laughs> uh, one milestone is, Michelle, we're nearly halfway to our goal in our 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser to benefit the Little Bit Foundation.
0: That's right. I checked this morning and we are right at our halfway point to $10,000. Thank you so much to everyone that has been so gracious and donated. And if you haven't already, please get involved as we inch closer towards our goal here to help the children of St. Louis in need. All all you need to do is head to 101espn.com donate at least $25 online between now and December 14th and you get a free 101espn t-shirt but your money is going to go towards helping the Little Bit Foundation provide a backpack filled with school supplies to a local student in need, Randy.
3: And as Michelle said, you can go to 101espn.com to donate and special thanks today to T-Mobile for making a donation match of $500 to the 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser. The other milestone, Michelle is doing 75 hard and Ugh. she'll tell you about it, but she's through Hashtag 70 hard.
0: Yeah, today's day 71. So I've completed 70 days of 75 hard. And what it is, is it's a workout and really mental toughness challenge from Andy Frisella, who people may know, especially here in St. Louis. He is the founder of Supplement Superstore and First Form. A lot of people use their supplements, but it's rigorous, Randy. You have to do two workouts a day of at least 45 minutes and one workout has to be outside, regardless Mm -hmm. of the weather. You have to follow a diet of your choosing, but with no cheat meals. So 70 days and no cheat meals for your girl. You can't have any alcohol. (sighs) which is Yikes. rough. You have to read at least 10 pages of nonfiction every day and take a progress picture. Oh, and you have to drink a gallon of water on top of all of that. So we've made it past 70 days. The finish line is right around the corner, and I am tired. And I want coffee. And congratulations, I want ice cream. <laughs> Thank you. Because
3: you displayed a lot more mental toughness <laughs> than I did. All right, let's talk about the blues, because a couple of weeks ago, our friend Greg Wyshynski, DSPan.com, revealed that the NHL would have different divisions this year because of the fact that American teams can't get in and out of Canada. So the seven Canadian teams were going to have one division, and then there would be eight other divisions, and the Blues division was going to include Detroit. They were Mm going to come back, Chicago, Nashville, Florida, Tampa, Pittsburgh... Uh anyway, it was going to be a central division. Yesterday, word came out from multiple sources that the NHL has decided to not go that direction and that the Blues will be in a division with Anaheim, West Coast, Arizona Pacific Time Zone much of the year, Colorado Mountain Time Zone, Dallas there in the Central Time Zone, LA, San Jose on the West Coast, Vegas Pacific Time Zone, which does not help. I know you're only playing 28 road games and I guess 16 of those would be 9.30 starts nominally, but that certainly doesn't help our show in terms of trying to watch late games, and really it's all about us.
0: Yeah, it's all about the fans, is it not? How yeah. how did the fans of St. Louis benefit with so many late starts? We remember in the bubble, and the playoffs, those late starts that mm-hmm. the Blues would have, they were brutal. How many people would wake up early to listen to us to be like, can you explain what happened to, in the game last night? Because I didn't stay up.
3: And... You wonder what happened here. Why would the NHL take away Blues-Red Wings games, Blues-Blackhawks games, Blues-Predators games? You you would have eight Blues-Lightning games the last two Stanley Cup champs. Why would they do that? And there were two teams that they could have moved to the Western time zone, and it would have been uncomfortable for the teams, but primarily for their fans. And those two teams are the Blues and the Wilds. The Twin Cities are further west uh, than St. Louis. They they fit in that time zone. The Blues are a more historic franchise. They have more recent success. They've always been a good TV draw. And, Michelle, for the life of me, I can't figure out why the NHL would put, put the Blues in that division unless the Blues agreed to it. Now, we don't know if that's the case, but man, I'll tell you what, having this franchise in that division doesn't make any sense at all.
0: When I saw the, the tweet come down last night, Randy, I had to read it twice because I thought it was a typo that the Blues weren't in the Central Division, that they would be the ones that were going west. Because to your point, I would think if not only you're the NHL, but if you're the Blues or these other teams, that those Blues-Red Wings matchups, those blues Blackhawk ma- matchups, as you mentioned, Nashville, Tampa Bay, those are matchups that people want to see. You're getting more eyeballs on your product, the storylines are there. The rivalries are there. The the good actual matchups right now in present time are there. Why would you take that away?
3: Those are national TV games. Yeah. Here's another part of this. And yes, the Blues could have been in a division if let's just presume that Minnesota would have been out West and the Blues would have been in a division with the defending C- cup champions Tampa and Nashville and Florida where Joel Quenville is the coach now and Columbus, which is a pretty good team right now with this division. The Blues are going to be with the Golden Knights, who are one of the four best teams, certainly, in the league. With Dallas, who was in the Stanley Cup Finals last year. With Colorado, who a lot of people are picking to win the Stanley Cup this year. Now, Anaheim is bad. Arizona is middling. The Kings are bad. The Sharks are bad right now. But man, the top end of this Western division, arguably, has four of the five best teams in the whole league.
0: So what are you saying, Rainy? Iron sharpens iron? <laughs> That's what it's going to have to be
3: for the Blues. So from that st- standpoint, it could work out. N- now, here's another thing I thought, Michelle, is maybe F- FS Midwest, because Greg Wyshynski did yes. tweet that the Blues and their television partner, Fox Sports Midwest, soon to be Bally's, they wanted the Blues to start late. And I'm thinking, well, why? Right. And I-, I thought maybe they don't want to compete with the Cardinals who don't play out West until the Blues are well into the playoffs in May. But that would only be a month and a half. The Blues will have already played two months. They'll have played half of January and February and March, two and a half months before the Cardinals even start. So that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get why FS Midwest or why the Blues would feel like it's better for them to play late games than early games. And by the way, a lot of those games in that other division, uh, Carolina, Columbus, Detroit, road games, Florida, Tampa, would all be 6 o'clock starts. But that doesn't make any difference. I I think Blues fans would rather sit down and watch a 6 o'clock start and maybe get in in the middle of the first period than watch the first half of a first period out in California.
0: I can't think of any other reason that they would want to go west Other than maybe they thought, oh, is the Alex Petrangelo-Blues matchup and there's going to be eight of them going to be that juicy that we can capitalize on that? Because you just named off everything. Not only do you have the matchups that you want, and I think most people would prefer an earlier start time, I just can't think of one other reason why this makes sense. And if you're you're 5 Sports Midwest and you're not conflicting with Cardinal baseball, because that probably if the schedules overlap would be a concern about getting both those games in, but I I just can't understand this. And I think that the blues, they got the short end of the stick here.
3: We have some text 65780 is our air comfort service text line, by the way, uh, from the 618 damn straight. I'm playing golf this afternoon. Good for you. (laughs) Nice. From the 217 is the NHL hoping for a blues lightning Stanley cup. Well, you could be hoping for a Blues or a Knights or a Colorado. Colorado, uh, Colorado-Tampa Stanley Cup would be great. But the the only way you get a Blues-Lightning Cup is if you move the Blues into the the other conference. And I don't know how they're going to do the conference setup. Maybe that's a possibility, but I can't imagine that they would be predicting that and costing themselves viewers. Because, as you said at the outset, Michelle, when you have Blues-Blackhawks, that's a national rivalry. I don't know how much Chicago is going to be on national TV this year, but if you have Blues-Red Wings, and they're, they're the worst team in the league right now, but still, you can get some national eyes. But Blues-Lightning, eight times? If you can get the, the Blues and the Predators, that is high drama. That, that's a great rivalry. I do think that the division with the former longtime rivals trumps the division with Colorado-Dallas-Vegas.
0: It doesn't matter what the Red Wings record is or what the state of their team is. Yeah. If the Blues play the Red Wings, are you going to watch the game?
3: Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to watch it. I'm, I'm going to hate the Red Wings. Yes, I am.
0: And you're going to maybe punch someone in the face. No
3: doubt. Yeah, right. Red Wings fan.
0: Right. If the Blues are playing Arizona and it's a 9:30 start, are you going to make sure you stay up to watch that game?
3: The only real interest I have there is Clayton Keller. Sorry, no. That's uh, no. I'm a fan, and I'll do everything I can to watch the game, but is that must-see TV for me like Detroit is? No.
0: That's what I was getting at. And I would think in a a continuing pandemic year that if you're the NHL, you would want to try to find those storylines and all the things that you can capitalize on to make sure people have eyeballs on your product.
3: I'm going to give you one more tinfoil cap conspiracy because those are popular now. There's a lot of people that are wearing those tinfoil caps. All right, let's go. I wonder if perhaps the Blues were offered this possibility and the league said, look, San Jose's not coming back. They, they aren't playing home games until May, if they do at all. L.A. is headed towards not being able to play games at home either. Same with Anaheim. California, San Jose, Anaheim, L.A., you're in the division with them, but you're playing all those games at home because they can't play at their home rinks. Is it possible... That the NHL is looking ahead with what apparently is going to be a continued COVID issue, even though we're going to have a vaccine for a lot of people, for people that are working in hospitals and old people that don't generally watch hockey. Well, the the people in the health care industry do, but the the people in the hospitals don't. But my point is this. Could California be shut down? And could the Blues know that California is going to be shut down and all these games are going to be played at Enterprise Center anyway?
0: And maybe they thought, okay, fine, we'll play ball here because at the end of the day, we're going to get more games at home. Yeah,
3: but you better give us another winter classic in five years.
0: Hey, if if you're going to negotiate that, why not? But I just think this is a real bummer for Blues fans to think there's going to be this many late starts. But at
3: least we're going to have hockey January 13th.
0: Thank you, Randy. Sunshine lollipops, rainbows, all of it. Because that's true. That's true. That really is the ultimate goal: is to get a firm date to get hockey started. But how many times have we talked about how excited we were to see Blues Red Wings again?
3: I know. I was excited. To think and that you- we aren't seeing them in the finals either.
0: No, and to think that you're not going to see Blues Blackhawks.
3: Yeah, for a whole year.
0: That's, that's weird. Pretty.
3: That's. Gary Bettman should never allow that to happen. That's just stupid on the part of the league.
0: One of the great rivalries in your game, and you're going to take it away? Ridiculous. Ridiculous.
3: That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and we're off and running. Coming up, it's the holiday season. (laughs) Is that going to be one of our top five songs? We have our... Christmas song power rankings coming up, and we are actually going to allow you to vote on which team is better. Is it going to be Team Michelle or Team Randy with the strongest power rankings of Christmas songs next on 101 ESPN?
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: Our buddy Greg Amzinger joins us now on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us. And before we get, Greg, to the news of the day, the the baseball news of the day, and that's important, but we want to wish you good morning, and we want to ask you, because we just gave our top five power rankings, what is Greg Amzinger's all-time number one Christmas song?
4: Wow, that's so hard. There's so many good ones. Um, You know what, Randy, I'm going to answer it this way. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There's just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want you for my own, more than you could ever know. Make my wish come true. All I want for Christmas is you. It's Mariah Carey.
0: Greg, unbelievable choice.
4: Awesome. I'm sorry. There's no song close, in my opinion. Silent Night was cool when I was in second grade. But once 1994 came rolling around, and Mariah Carey threw that out there in the world, she has owned the holiday for eternity.
0: Uh, Greg, many Cardinals fans are wondering if they're going to get what they want from, for Christmas from John Mozeliak. But after his Zoom with the media yesterday, it doesn't seem like the Cardinals are ready to go shopping. <laughs> Do you think they're going to make any significant moves this off season?
4: Um, Michelle, I was hosting m l b tonight yesterday, and with these virtual winter meetings I've been covering them and I'm bringing correspondents from all thirty teams on, and it's kind of like a, in in the television world it's a five box it's it's my head in one box and then four correspondents uh-huh. and yeah, we, we all these people are so excited even though it's virtual. The most depressing person I've had on was poor Derek Gould. <laughs> I, had, I had him on yesterday, and he was so depressed because of this, whatever the Zoom meeting was that John Moselak had. Sucked the life out of the guy. I had him on him. I'm like, hey, man, let's talk about Francisco Lindor. Is that a possibility in St. Louis? No, that's not what John Moselak. He said they're not even in the stratosphere for that. I'm like, what are I no, 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 no. I mean, at the end of the day, he basically said the entire focus of the St. Louis Cardinals this winter, based on a meeting they had with John Mozeliak, was to re-sign two guys that are almost 40 years old. I don't know if that's the best sign. I don't know if that's a good thing. That Zoom meeting sucked the life out of poor Derek Gould.
3: It kind of did for us, too, and I asked Mo if he could envision a scenario in which – We would get to January and there would be a lot of people on the market. I said, any chance that you guys could just see this market and buy low and get some good players in January? And he said, 2021 is going to be a tough year and 2022 is probably going to be a tough year as well. I think that we're probably in for the long haul, Greg, in terms of the Cardinals trying to get by with their kids and trying to evaluate and hoping like heck
4: that their young players get better. Based on what I heard from that meeting, and I wasn't on it, but a- after I did the segment with Derek Gold and three other correspondents, obviously I started reading all about it. And what I came away with, I think Wainwright, Molina, are their focuses, like he said, they want to bring both guys back. And what you're going to see is a nickel-and-dime approach to winning one-run games. Um, think – think San Diego Padres back when they had Heath Bell and Mike Adams, the back end of a bullpen that was really good. and Jerry Harrison was playing shortstop and they tried to figure it out. And they were within striking distance of a wild card. And at the end they went out and got like Miguel Tejada and Derek Lee, and it kind of screwed the whole thing up. Like th- that's kind of the approach this team's going to have. They're not going to score a lot of runs. They're hoping Dylan Carlson becomes a superstar. If it doesn't happen, they're going to tell their pitching staff, try to get by with just maybe three runs a game. So what does that mean? I think if there is a signing, they're going to go sign one of these relievers. So I think Rosenthal comes back to the Cardinals. No, I don't think that happens, but I think they could throw a flyer at a Kirby Yates and see if he re- you know can reinvent the wheel again after missing all of last year. I don't think they're going to be in the ballpark for Liam Hendricks, but I think they're going to look at the strength of their team, which I think they will uh, evaluate and say, It'll be their bullpen. Then they're starting pitching after that, and they're going to try to bolster their bullpen uh, with maybe one or two lower key moves, and they're going to try to win a lot of one-run games. And when the Chicago Cubs are starting to dangle guys like Chris Bryant and they are letting go of Kyle Schwarbers, uh, they would love to dump the salary of you Darvish. John Lester's not going back there. I think they view this division with the Reds doing God knows what. (laughs) What is going on there? Uh, as, as winnable, even without bolstering their much-needed beleaguered offense.
0: Greg, you mentioned that the Cardinals' focus might be signing two guys who are almost 40 years old, but Mark Saxon from The Athletic had the report that uh, the Cardinals and Yadier Molina had engaged in talks and that Molina had balked at the ridiculous offer from the Cardinals. What do you think is a realistic offer for Yadier Molina at this stage of the game?
4: I, I think if he wants two years, you got to give him two years. Uh, if Adam Eaton can get a one-year $7 million deal from the Chicago White Sox, I, I know I, apples and oranges, whatever. I, I, Adam Eaton's not running into 20. He's not going to hit for power. He's going to play a decent right field, but he's no longer Jason Hayward out there. Um, I, his on-base went down below 340 last year. It, it, you just got to look at the market and who impacts baseball games more. Adam Eaton doesn't come close to impacting a baseball game, therefore a season like Yachty or Molina does. And in a day and age, we had this conversation yesterday with former Rockies GM Dan O'Dowd, who's one of our analysts. He was with me on the show. You know, the day and age of, of catchers catching more than 120 games are over. It, it just doesn't happen anymore. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, Yachty or Molina would love to do that. He'd love to catch 140 games for the next two years. And, you know, when James McCann, God love him. What, wow, he hung in there? When well, James McCann is, is in the mix for a four-year contract, I know considerably younger, with the New York Mets, the Mets are, are basically using James McCann as, as, a, as a chip against J.T. Real Muto because no one in the world would think that J.T. Real Muto would be like in fear of losing that deal with the Mets over Yachty or Molina who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Look, age is all how you treat it and I'm 41 years old. I did not treat my body the way Yadier Molina treats his. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't squat for 10 minutes when I was 22. So this guy's a different animal. He's aging in an incredible fashion. Most Hall of Famers do, actually, if you go back and look at it. He's been so important to this franchise. I get it There our new rules because of this pandemic, but some of these rules have been broken by other teams. So let's actually examine this and go, this guy's special. We shouldn't uh, make him at the end of this great career walk away aggravated with the organization. I think anybody that was tied and loved the Cardinals back in the 1990s realized it was sad the way Ozzie Smith's career came to an end. That's not how we wanted it to be. So let's not do that again with a guy that you're going to retire his number someday. Let's make sure it ends the right way. You're not spending a ton of money anyway. He doesn't want more than a two-year term. I know you love the kid that you want to give more opportunities behind the plate, but this is a special guy. He means a lot to the fan base. And in a time when we need to start considering the fans more because they haven't been part of the equation, this is important. Bring Yachty back. Give him what he wants. Two years. I think he would take two years for $20 million. Do it. So do
3: that. And Greg, tell me this, when you look at the way teams have won or been in the World Series over the last five years, Tampa is brilliant. Dodgers has spent a lot of money, both at the major league level and in regards to their system. The Cubs tanked, the Astros tanked, the uh, the Nationals spent a ton of money. We know the Cardinals aren't going to spend a ton of money. Has the Cardinal approach, has that kind of gone by the wayside in terms of winning World Series now? And Would it make sense for the Cardinals to tank for a couple of years?
4: No, it would not make sense. Um, It's a great topic to bring up, Randy. The other day, when the Texas Rangers announced that Chris Young is going to be the new general manager of their organization, I thought that was one of the biggest stories of the year in baseball and it needed more attention. Why? The guy did go to Princeton, brilliant guy, know him well, worked for the league office, but he's a former player. Granted, he was a pitcher, he's a former player. Now, look, I'm not saying you know, every team needs to go back to Dal Maxville. I'm not saying that. But bringing that human perspective back inside the front office is imperative for the sports. The, the way the game is played right now is not as entertaining as it was back in the day. I don't want to sound like an old fuddy-duddy to all you 18-year-olds driving around in your car right now. Uh, it's the truth. You go to a baseball game, I I, I watched Game 7, MLB Network aired this, Game 7 1982 World Series. I was three years old at the time. I didn't get a chance to watch every single pitch. Maybe I did, I just don't remember it. (laughs) I watched every single pitch in my house just a couple days ago and it was riveting baseball. None of these guys walked up looking like Yasiel Puig. None of them did. But man, I couldn't take my eyes off it. The ball was in play. It was a lot of fun. The reason I bring this up, I think everything's cyclical and it's going to go back to a former player calling the shots on personnel. And why does that matter? Former players are competitive. Former players are never going to sit there and be okay losing 110 games. That's not okay. Former players have the chops to say, whoa, whoa, whoa to an owner. They have the chops to do that. Okay? All of these young guys, that are trying to move their way up and they don't have a baseball reference page. They don't have the chops to do that. And I believe Chris Young being a former player back in that spot is going to lead to Sandy Alderson considering possibly a former Met being in that spot because Stephen Cohen, the owner of the Mets, loves former Mets. He's a fan of the game. The human element needs to come back into this. And the St. Louis Cardinals never lost that. And in no way, shape, or form do I see them doing that again. John Moselag never played Major League Baseball. Totally get it. But he is a competitive man that surrounded himself with former Major League Baseball players throughout his front office career. And I really believe that he's got whatever that magic is. He got it maybe from Red Shantings, who was one of his consultants for years before he passed. He's got that. He doesn't want the St. Louis Cardinals brand to be covered in 100 lost seasons. That happened in the 90s. It stunk. I don't think it's ever going to happen again. This team will be competitive. And if they're the only one playing by these rules, God love the St. Louis Cardinals for doing it.
3: Greg, last thing before we let you go, we would re- be remiss if we didn't ask you to comment on Adam Wainwright winning the Clemente Award.
4: He's one of the most impressive people I've ever seen. I knew he was a philanthropic genius. I knew. But when I read all the things he's got his hand in, building a school in Haiti, uh, like making sure people in Honduras have clean water, I mean, just don't go through this laundry list of stuff. A, how did he focus on his craft? How were you able to do that? I'm sorry, but when my – wife points out that we have like a parents association meeting at my daughter's school. I get stressed out because that's like once or twice a month. All right. (laughs) This guy's got an important job. He's running so many different charities. He's raised so much money. I mean, with another organization that had over 150 major league baseball players involved, helped raise $5.8 million to 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 divide up amongst over 90 different charities. So he's now one of these, Philanthropic minds that thinks his charity idea is the only one that exists. It's the most important thing. He understands there are so many different avenues to help people. He is so impressive, and once again, I just you know, showered Yadier Molina and all these compliments. Don't let this Adam Wainwright career end with a season in Tampa Bay pitching for the Rays. Don't let that happen, St. Louis. Make sure both of these guys are back.
3: Greg Amzinger, you are the very best. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We love you weighing in on our Christmas song power rankings, and we'll talk to you
4: soon. All right, I can't wait to listen to it. I'm going to pop my earbuds in and listen to Mariah right now. <laughs> You're
3: the man. See you later, Greg. That's Thanks our
4: friend.
3: That's our friend Greg Amzinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN coming up. We've got a quick edition of Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort
1: Service text line 65780. Tioli coming your way on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN.
3: We need your text to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Time for a quick game of Take It or Leave It and Tanner Hendrickson will have your Take It or Leave It's for us Michelle, the NBA has announced that James Harden, who was out at a strip club and he was making it rain, yeah. he's going to have to test negative for the COVID six times before they let him participate in training camp. Take it or leave it, he's able to pull that off without going to a strip club.
0: Oh, OK. That's an important caveat. Yeah. I'm going to take it just because I think we've seen Harden go 0 for 6 before.
5: <laughs> well
3: done. I don't know that he can stay out of the strip club for that long.
0: I think, Randy, he gave little baby, what, 400 grand in gifts Mm -hmm. and cash? Yeah. He needs to go to training camp because he needs more money. Actually, Harden's made an obscene amount of money in his career. I'm sure that was nothing for him.
3: And much of that is going towards helping young ladies make their way through college, apparently. He's a big fan of higher education. And so I think he's going to continue to be entertained and help the youth of America.
0: Take it or leave it. You're surprised there wasn't a strip club inside the NBA bubble.
3: Yeah, I'm 100% supl- surprised. I know it was, was at Disney.
0: I know it was at Disney, but yeah, still. Still. No. Still.
3: They used to have like a tractor trailer that would show up on the parking lot of Raymond James Stadium. And they would have like a trailer strip club outside Buccaneers games.
0: What? Yeah. Are you serious?
3: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: It, did the players commission that or? No, it was
3: fans. It was oh, for fans. fans. Yeah. For fans. For yeah. fans. I was going to
0: say, what is this? You know, part of the pregame warm up? I, I no, don't know.
3: This was, uh, well, they were bad too. So it might have been during and postgame.
0: You know what? I like that entrepreneurial spirit.
3: Oh, yeah. That's that old uh, Florida man thing. He's always thinking. There you go. Creative ideas.
0: Okay, Randy, I saw this on social media last night. Jonathan Hayes, we of course know him as the coach of our St. Louis Battle Hawks, Mm -hmm. has interviewed at Vanderbilt. Uh. Okay, we know that in addition to the Battle Hawks, he was an NFL assistant for the Bengals. He spent four years under Bob Stoops, Stoops at Oklahoma. Take it or leave it. Coach Hayes would be a great hire for Vanderbilt.
3: Yeah, I'll take that. He's charismatic. He'd be a great recruiter. His team's played with a high level of energy and fundamentals. So I I would take that. The first name I read when they fired Derek Mason was that at the top of the list would be Jeff Fisher. No. In Nashville, yeah. So take it or leave it. The best former St. Louis head coach for the Vanderbilt job is indeed Jonathan Hayes over Jeff
0: Fisher. Oh, take it for sure. Yeah, I'll sure. take it too. But take it or leave it, you would love the entertainment value of Jeff Fisher coaching at Vanderbilt. Oh, man, I'll, Vanderbilt. I'll take that, yeah. I know he's got the Nashville ties, but that would be interesting.
3: Yeah, to, to try to get those Janoris Jenkins types into Vanderbilt. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Tanner, what do you got for us?
5: From the 636, take it or leave it. If the Cardinals made a significant signing, we'd all have to look it up because we think it was a sick joke. I'll
6: take that, yeah.
0: I'll definitely take that. Yeah. It but, just seems like we're all resigned to the fact that nothing's going to happen. Yeah.
3: Michelle, I need to correct myself. Oh, okay. It was not a tractor trailer. It was a 40-foot motor home that was converted into a strip club on wheels.
0: Oh, so more luxurious. I love it.
3: Yeah. Offering alcohol and lap dances to football fans outside the stadium before hey, Buccaneers games. There you go. That's tailgating for you. <laughs>
0: uh, tailgating. <laughs> <laughs>
5: From Collinville, Chris, take it or leave it. Kroenke has so much pull, he screwed the Blues in their scheduling.
3: Yeah, I'm going to leave that. I don't think that he has as much pull in the NHL as uh, he does in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I'm going to leave that too. I also think he's too busy worrying about his money to mess with the NHL and to try to mess with St. Louis.
3: I think so. Uh, Take it or leave it. Kroenke... Has a small dog that he's put reindeer horns on to have him pull, pulled up a hill in a sleigh.
0: I got to tell you, Randy, when you said small, I didn't know where you were going mm-hmm. after that. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm going to take it because he's the Grinch. So yeah, I'll take it. But man, you had me worried <laughs> for a second.
5: <laughs> <laughs> we get a three-day weekend because Christmas this year it falls on a Friday. From the 636, take it or leave it. You'd rather have Christmas on a Friday for the three-day weekend than it on Monday. and You get the three-day weekend.
0: I'm going to take that. Yeah, I will too. Because you get to relax for days after Christmas, which is, I think, yeah. key. Because you're a, you're a busy bee before the holidays. Well, you're wrapping gifts, you're cooking, you're doing all the things you need to do. I would rather have the relaxation after.
3: And back when I was an afternoon guy, we essentially took off Christmas Eve as well. I think Christmas Eve morning kind of have an obligation to work. But we didn't feel that obligation. Well, some of us didn't. No, none of us did on Christmas Eve when we were afternoon people. So you got Thursday, Friday, plus Saturday and Sunday off. Nice.
5: From the 636, take it or leave it. Joe Medwick needs his number retired by the Cardinals. Yeah,
3: I'll take that. Although I think you have to put Matt Holiday in there, too. He was number seven. And it's kind of weird that he doesn't have his number retired. He was a great Cardinal and he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, There are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of things that are said about Joe Medwick, but I don't know any concrete information about the way he treated other people. So I I would uh, take that, that they should retire number seven.
5: From the 618, take it or leave it. The XFL teams will bring back the mobile strip clubs.
3: Yeah, I'm going to leave that.
0: What you think the rock it's above him. Or he's above it, I should say.
3: Yeah, and in many places, it's illegal. Like in St. Louis, it would be illegal. Now, you can just hop on the Metrolink and get over to a strip club very easily. But yeah, I think in many of the communities, now maybe in Tampa, although that place did get shut down by the police, Mm. but I think in most outposts, mobile strip clubs, while creative and entrepreneurial, are probably not looked kindly upon by law enforcement.
0: I could see, though, people tailgating for the XFL and having that be a part of it. That was a a wild scene before XFL games. Oh, yeah. Uh,
3: But I wonder if the scene will be as wild and the wildness will be fostered like it was for Vince McMahon by The Rock.
0: I think it should be because that was part of what made it fun. People wanted to go to the games.
3: But people also, I think it was a great family environment here, at least.
0: Here, here, absolutely.
3: So I, I don't but know. There was
0: people partying early. I would get to the dome early. And oh, there was yeah. people out in the streets Ailigating. having a good time. Yeah.
3: Hopefully, the Rock takes care of us and gives us a, a great product. Hopefully, hopefully he gives us Kurt Hunsicker back, and hopefully he gives us Michelle Smallman back on the sidelines. For God's sakes,
0: that would be great. I would love that. Hey, Dwayne, give me a call. <laughs> thanks I'm for your
3: <laughs> thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. Next up, the Cardinals have been in touch with Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright,
1: but. Are they going to be able to keep them around? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: You're not spending a ton of money anyway. He doesn't want more than a two-year term. I know you love the kid that you want to give more opportunities behind the plate, but this is a special guy. He means a lot to the fan base and at a time when we need to start considering the fans more because they haven't been part of the equation, this is important. Bring Yadi back, give him what he wants. Two years, I think he would take two years for $20 million. Do it.
3: That's Greg Amzinger, last hour here on Carrick and Smallman on 101 ESPN, where it's 8.05. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Greg makes it sound so easy, Michelle.
0: Two years, $20 million. just do it. Yeah, why not? Why not? Well, now, it's not our money. Of course it's easy.
3: Yesterday, John Mozeliak met with the media, and I asked him, because he spoke to the media after the World Series had concluded, I asked him if the Cardinals have a budget now for a 2021 team.
7: For the most part, that hasn't changed. Um, you know, we, we have a, a idea of, of what our payroll is going to look like, but we don't have a, a, a hard number. You know, obviously, when you sit in my seat, it's easier to build a club when you know exactly what you have to spend. But that's where I think like you're seeing just some clubs right now in general, just trying to remain patient and, and ultimately uh, allow themselves as much time as possible to get a better sense of what revenues might look like. So at this point, I don't feel like in any way our hands are tied. It's just a matter of of you know looking at what resources we have, what we have available and how to best deploy. It.
3: And Michelle, one thing we do know for certain is that the Cardinals payroll is going to go down. It's not going to be what it was, what, what it was projected to be in 2020 before the pandemic hit and they cut down to 60 games. So for those that would hope, and I think we're in that boat, that the Cardinals would go out and sign free agents and try to improve their team from the outside. I don't think that's happening.
0: I don't think that's happening either. And I think fans, even though they want it to happen and they understand that the Cardinals are in a position where if they wanted to strike, they could and might be able to get some guys uh, for a relative discount. I, I think that people understand that the Cardinals keep saying it. We have to wait and see how the market develops. 2021, probably not going to be a year for spending. Maybe not even further than that. We want to evaluate players. We want Mm -hmm. to see what these young guys have. Randy Rosarena, we let him get away. We need to make sure that doesn't happen again. All of the things that they keep telling us are consistent. And so I think we need to finally accept it and believe it, that they're probably not going to go out and make a lot of moves.
3: So if that's going to be the case, are you going to bring back the guys that you had, Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright?
7: Right now, we've we've had very open discussions, and, you know, the, I think the pace of these, everybody understands, is, again, not the normal December. And, and so I don't feel there's, like, any extraordinary pressure to necessarily do something today. And so, again, I'm just going to remind myself and, and everyone that, that I work with that being patient is probably the best strategy we can have right now.
3: And one of the questions I think that we would have as fans is Are the Cardinals, have they talked to those two players about kind of having a right of first refusal, the ability to match an offer from the outside?
7: Uh, Certainly having clarity on them would would be helpful, yes. As I stated from the beginning, that we are keeping, you know, the pulse of both trade and and free agent market. And, you know, I don't envision a a scenario where we're going to feel like we were left at the altar, but I suppose. On any given year, that's possible.
0: I'm sure that among their top priorities is to figure out what's happening with Wainwright and Molina, not only because it's going to shape the way that they uh, look at their finances and potentially spend money moving forward, but they know the significance that these two mean to the organization, that they mean to the fan base. And as Mo just said, being left at the altar, I think that the Cardinals are smart enough to want to make sure that they're in on those conversations and that it's not a situation where, they're taken by surprise or the fan base feels like the Cardinals didn't do enough to keep either one of them. So I would imagine that once those two contracts are are figured out one way or another, then you might see the Cardinals make a little bit of a move here or there.
3: Michelle, one thing we know for certain about William O. DeWitt Jr. (laughs) is that he's a businessman and that he is, when you're a businessman, he's in the business of in a logical setting Buying low, selling high. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, this is not a logical setting because of the pandemic. Right. But I did ask Mo if they get to January and he said January is the new December that we really aren't going to have movement among players in free agency until January. But I said, what if you get to January and there are players out on the market that are good players that you can get for pennies on the dollar? Could you envision a scenario in which you would go to Mr. DeWitt and say, "Man, we can get some players at a
7: really good bargain here." Would you look at that? Very hard question to answer because does that mean I already deployed resources? Does that mean um, I feel like I have, I just want to deploy more resources that I don't know I have or have not? Uh, Bill and I talk daily, right? Our relationship is is one that that is very transparent, very candid, and as things move, you know, sometimes we move. So zigging and zagging is not something we're afraid to do, and you know ultimately, um, you know last year was difficult economics for really everyone, and and so you know we're adjusting. Again, we feel there's there's value out there. I'm sure we'll um, be looking into it. We'll be looking into it.
0: Translation: patience.
3: Yeah, right. That was the theme throughout his Zoom call.
0: And in an on-demand society where fans want something big and they want it now or they want to know about Wayno and Yachty now. Patience is not something we're used to or that we like.
3: And let me give you something else that we should all be prepared for because we do need, we as a a fan base, we we want to see the Cardinals go get a left-handed bat. We've been talking about David Dahl or Eddie Rosario or Jock Peterson. And the Cardinals are looking at Dylan Carlson and Justin Williams. They're excited about the guys they have in-house they aren't going to go get those guys either. We're, we're talking about those guys. Uh, let me put it this way, with apologies to Rick Patino. David Dahl ain't walking through that door. <laughs> all right? Justin Williams is going to get the opportunity to be a left-handed middle of the order bat. Dylan Carlson's going to get the opportunity to be the left-handed middle of the order bat. I would be shocked if, aside from catcher, if Yadier Molina leaves, if the Cardinals go out and spend... Any real significant money on a player that has a chance to play for them on a regular basis.
0: So we're talking Weino and Yadi potentially re-signing mm-hmm. or nothing.
3: Yeah, and if if Yadi or Molina leaves, go out and get a free agent catcher. But are are they going to go out and try to improve their team by spending five million dollars on a platoon outfielder? I just don't see it happening because I think they'd rather spend six hundred thousand. And hope that Justin Williams comes through or hope that Dylan Carlson is a middle-of-the-order bat and hoping that Tommy Edmund comes through. And by the way, they they said that the door for Wong is somewhat ajar, but he's not coming back. Mm -hmm. So I think right now, if you go to Cardinals.com and look at their roster, what you see is what you get, aside from perhaps Wainwright and Molina.
0: But if you're the Cardinals and you're looking at the two things that were most important to you this offseason to save money and to also evaluate your Mm -hmm. youth and your talent for the future, then both of those things are lining up for you in 2021 because you want to save money and you have all these players in-house that you truly want to give a good look Mm -hmm. to because... I think if you're them, you're looking at what happened in 2020, and you may get some sort of a sense on some guys, but how are you going to be able to really evaluate some people when you had COVID ripped through your team, when you had s- such a weird schedule for your season? Some guys didn't get the at-bats that you wanted them to get or the playing time that you wanted them to get. So if they're looking to save money and they're truly looking to evaluate the talent that they have in-house, to say like we need to A, make sure another Randy or Reyna situation does not happen again, and B, find out who we have so that when we have more money, we can go out there and make a move and put together a contender, they're probably sitting in a pretty comfortable spot right now.
3: Michelle, the Cardinals very easily could win this division in 2021 with the way the other teams are acting. And at the same time, this is the Cardinals version of tanking. This is as bad as it will get for Cardinal fans. They aren't going to take it down to the studs and have a team that wins 72 games or 62 games this for the cardinals is their version of tanking and rebuilding
0: when you can still potentially win the division yeah exactly (laughs) not too bad
3: that's michelle i'm randy and we want you to know that you can help us and you can also help out the little bit foundation by participating in our 12 days of t-shirts fundraiser It's brought to you, of course, by our friends at Massage Lux, and we'd like to also thank our friends at T-Mobile for making a donation of $500 to match our 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser donations. Michelle, the Little Bit Foundation does amazing things for kids in the area.
0: Yes, they do, Randy. They serve over 14,000 students in need here in St. Louis. They provide them with the necessities they need. We're talking coats and shoes and food, hygiene supplies, underwear, the basic necessities that kids need so they can break down those barriers to learning so that the kids don't have to worry about having food or having a coat that they can just focus on school. And In a year where it's hard enough to focus on school in 2020, let's make sure to give the kids these resources that they need.
3: And You can help them by just going to 101ESPN.com, finding our 12 Days of T-shirts tab on the page and making a minimum $25 donation and get a free T-shirt out of it as well. It's 12 Days of T-shirts brought to you by Carricker and Smallman on 101ESPN. Next up, the St. Louis Sports Personality of the Year is voted on by the Missouri Athletic Club fans
1: was a shocker last night. We'll bring it to you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Tea. Brought to you by Schnucks. Get the app that gets you. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today.
3: Over the course of the fall, the Missouri Athletic Club has asked people to vote on the greatest sports personality over the last 50 years. That's the length of time their sports personality of the year banquet, now known as the Jack Buck Awards, has been going on. And so they got votes from many, many, many people over the course of the fall. And last night, Michelle, they revealed their top 10 sports personalities in St. Louis over the last 50 years.
0: And what a collection of names you have on this top 10 list. This
3: is from the number 20. During those 50 years, we've been from the 17th to now the 21st market. But when you think of the sports stars that we've had, let me start with this. Okay. You have a top 10 that Al McKinnis is not on.
0: That says a lot, doesn't it?
3: That's phenomenal. And Chris Pronger is not on. And Marshall Falk is not on. So think about that. You've got Hall of Famers. Orlando Pace is not on. Isaac Bruce is not on. It's it's phenomenal. Uh, I will give you the top 10.
0: Okay.
3: Number 10 Tony Larussa. Legit.
0: Well deserved.
3: Number 9 Jack Buck. Absolutely Icon. legit. Number 8 Ryan O'Reilly M- helped the Blues win their first Stanley Cup. Number 7 Bob Gibson. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Number 6 Yadier Molina. Phenomenal Future Hall of Famer. Number five, Kurt Warner. One of the most iconic athletes, not only in the history of St. Louis, but in Phoenix as well. Uh, Number four. Let me go back to Warner for a second. He led both the, the Rams and the Cardinals to the Super Bowl. Think about that. It's impressive. Yep. Number four is Albert Pujols. Number four in the last 50 years is Albert Pujols.
0: That tells you all you need to know is that Albert Pujols is number four.
3: Amazing. Number three, Lou Brock. Well deserved. How can you argue against Lou Brock? Can't. Number two, another Hall of Famer and the greatest defensive shortstop in the history of baseball, Ozzie Smith. He's number two. The number one sports personality, according to MAC voters, in the last 50 years in St. Louis, Brett Hull.
0: Okay. What did you think when you heard it was Holly? Because the first thing that I thought was yes, he's a legend. He is such a staple in the St. Louis sports community and in St. Louis sports Mm -hmm. history. And the title of this was the number one St. Louis sports personality. And so I wonder if people took that really literally and thought about Brett Hall as a personality. He's not only... A legend for what he's yep. done on the ice but think about brett hall and everything that he's given us from a media standpoint from if you're a fan the mm-hmm. way that you love holly and holly has embraced st louis i could just see a lot of people wanting to vote for him
3: i can too and i have no qualms because he was as big a sports star as there was in the 90s not just a hockey star, but he was showing up on Letterman's show. He was showing up on the tonight show. He was a national celebrity in sports. He was as big as anybody. And here in St. Louis, that was amplified because he was playing for our team. So I totally get that. But the thing that surprised me was that in a baseball town, Mm -hmm. the recency bias of a guy like Pujols didn't move him to the top of the list.
0: If we include Jack Buck, because he was the voice of the Mm -hmm. Cardinals forever, seven of the ten names on this list are affiliated with Cardinal baseball. Right. Right. So to think that a Cardinal wouldn't be at the top of the list is surprising.
3: Right. It's a great list, and it's really interesting and surprising. And and by the way, they're all legit. This is kind of like that Harold Baines thing last year where you say, you don't want to denigrate anybody. My point here would be, and maybe we needed a top 20. But when you think about those names that I listed, Hall of Famers like Falk and Pace and... For a lot of people, Marshall was a great personality. If he happened to be blonde, he was a great personality. <laughs> okay, blonde female. Uh, Falk, Pace, uh, like I mentioned, Pronger, McKinnis. Mm-hmm. Pretty amazing that we, we could have that group of people. And by the way, there are other people that we could have. Steven Jackson has won that award. Dick Vermeule could definitely be there. Uh, a guy like Joel Quenville could absolutely be there. We have been so lucky in this town to have so many people. If they do this same thing in Cincinnati with the Bengals and the Reds over the last 50 years, it's dominated by the big red machine, no Mm -hmm. doubt about it. But they can't come close to what we have. Similar size market, even a a market with all four teams, all four leagues like Minneapolis. I don't think that they could come up with the list of names that we have been lucky enough to witness play in participate in our community like st louis
0: no we're incredibly spoiled and we know that we are but think about a guy like adam wayne right not even being yeah on this right list.
3: No, no, another great point
0: oh, world series champion he just won the, won the roberto clemente award this is a guy who's very involved in the st louis community in one way or another he's beloved by mm-hmm. cardinal fans and he's not even on the top 10 list and you have the recency factor that a lot right. of people have him in their minds right now and he's still not even on the list but another thing that I thought it was interesting. It didn't surprise me, but I thought it was interesting, is you knew there was going to be some sort of a representative on this list for the team that brought the St. Louis Blues their first Stanley Cup Uh championship in franchise history. And there's a lot of different ways you could go with that team. But I thought it was really interesting that it wasn't Alex Petrangelo, the captain, the first guy to hoist the cup in franchise history, and instead Ryan O'Reilly that made the list. Or
3: Bennington. Or Bennington. Uh, Or maybe even Pat Maroon. Right, because Maroon, obviously the St. Louis guy, Binnington is the guy that said, do I look nervous? I mean, that showed, that one sentence showed such incredible personality. And when you're talking sports personality.
0: I just had a light bulb moment. How is David Freeze not on this list?
3: That's phenomenal. Well, when you brought up the term personality when we initially talked about this, I thought that, in terms of being highly successful and having a great personality and I look at the list of names the fact that Whitey Herzog isn't on the list because he turned around a franchise that was moribund between basically 1970 and 1980 and he brought the franchise back to what it is now and has such a wonderful personality and has done so many incredible things for the community and went to as many World Series as Tony Larusa. I figured that Whitey Herzog would find his way onto this top 10 list as well. But again, it goes to what we have here in St. Louis that you can make a legitimate list and not have Whitey on it.
0: A lot of people are texting and asking about Stan Musial, and we should know, again, yeah. it's the number one St. Louis sports personality of the last 50 years. Right.
3: Yeah, and so we're going back to the start of the Jack Buck Awards in 1970. So you've got 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, 2010. And Stan obviously retired in 63 and was the GM of the Cardinals in 67. Uh, And that's, by the way, another reason uh, when you look at the 50 years, that's why Bob Gibson isn't on the list. Because what Bob Gibson did primarily, his greatness was a product of the number seven. Oh, so there you go. You got five years of, of Gibby where he really, he was okay, but not great. But you you had better careers than Gibson's five years in the 70s.
0: But I'll take any any five years of a Bob oh, Gibson career. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I would too. <laughs> I don't really care yeah. what what phase of his career you're going to give yeah. me Bob Gibson. I'll take any five years no. of Bob Gibson.
3: But if you're looking at it from the 50-year perspective, and you're you're just including from 70 to now, Personally, I would take Ted Simmons over those five years of Bob Gibson, who was the centerpiece, the only, I won't say the only, because Brock was on that team too, Keith Hernandez was on that team too, but in the 70s, Ted Simmons was the guy, I'll put it that way, and he's not on the list either, but a great job by the MAC and gives us a lot to talk about, it's pretty phenomenal that we've had that many people, and it's cool that people still recognize Brett Hall who hasn't been here since 1998 now he hasn't been around for 22 years as a player and he's still recognized the way he is
0: but we went blues Randy we went we, we blues. went
3: blues totally that's Michelle I'm Randy it's
1: 101 ESPN and coming up we've got the fight stick around we are right back to the character and smallman podcast on 101 ESPN <laughs> welcome to small men. In the red corner, Average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive.
0: Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It is 8.36 in the morning. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And let's get the fight going on this Thursday. AJ is going to be Minds challenger this morning. How you doing, AJ? Hey,
6: good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? Good.
0: I'm awesome. Awesome. You ready to jump right in and take on Randy today?
4: Yes, I am. My first time doing this, so I'm ready to get into it. Oh,
0: I love it. First timer. Okay. Well, question number one for you, AJ. On this date in 1992, the NHL awarded two new franchises for the 93-94 season. One was the Florida Panthers, and the other was the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, the Minnesota North Stars, or the LA Kings.
6: Hmm. I'm going to say the Ducks of Anaheim.
5: A.J., when was the last time Illinois made the NCAA tournament? Was it 2008, 2010, or 2013?
4: Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to say
5: 2010.
0: Question number three for you, A.J. The Cubs acquired Leon Durham and Ken Reitz from the Cardinals in the 1980 offseason in exchange for who? Was it Bruce Souter, Lou Brock, or Willie McGee? Oh,
6: man. Um, what were the options again?
0: Bruce Souter, Lou Brock, or Willie McGee?
2: Oh, man. I'm going to say Bruce Souter. <clears throat>
5: Last one, AJ. How many gold gloves did Ozzie Smith win in his career? Was it 9, 13, or 15?
0: I'll it was 13. All right, we're checking our score here. Randy is on his way in. Man, it has been a minute for Illinois. Let me tell you, I am not taking this team for granted. This team is supposed to be... And the final four, we're going to make our triumphant return back to the final four and hopefully the national championship game with this Illini basketball team. Randy is getting settled in. Randy, please say good morning to AJ.
3: AJ, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. How are you? I'm doing good. Good. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Yep.
0: Okay, Randy, question number one. Mm -hmm. On this date in 1992, the NHL awarded two new franchises for the 93-94 season. One was the Florida Panthers and the other was...
3: Florida. See, the, the 90s, they had, like, new teams every single year. Um, I think I'll go, though, with the Sharks, the San Jose Sharks.
5: Randy, when was the last time Illinois made the NCAA tournament? Ooh. Um,
0: the last time Illinois made the tournament.
3: Would have been last year.
0: Would have been. Would have been. Yeah. Good call, Randy. Thanks. Thanks, COVID. You ruined everything.
3: Yeah. Um, Boy, I, 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 it, has Underwood made it? I thought he had. Uh, but maybe not. I'll go with. Let's see. The, he has to have made it, right? Because he's been there. Maybe not as long as Konzo. So um, let's see. So 20, we didn't have a 19, 18, 17. I'll go with. Fifteen.
0: All right, Randy. Question number three for you. The the Cubs, excuse me, acquired Leon Durham and Ken Reitz from the Cardinals in the 1980 offseason. In exchange for who?
3: Well, the Cubs also got Ty Waller in that trade. I think we've left him out of it. Oh, okay. That's Our bad. not fair. And the Cardinals, if I'm not mistaken, acquired one, engine number 42, Bruce Suter.
5: And Randy, how many gold gloves did Ozzie
0: Smith win in his career? Thirteen. We've had some good fights this week. And we do have a winner. We have a winner and new champion, Average Joe
1: Listener. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs.
0: AJ, for your first time, you did a great job. Congratulations, you won the fight. Let's provide our. Awesome, you. Yeah, you got it. Let's provide our answers here. The NHL awarded two new franchises for the '93-'94 season on this date in '92. One was the Florida Panthers. The other was the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. Mm, okay. The last time Illinois made the NCAA tournament was back in 2013. They lost in the round of 32 to Miami. Remember Barry Larkin's kid, Larkin? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him. Mm-hmm. The Cubs acquired Leon Durham, Ken Reitz, and who else, Randy? Ty Waller. And Ty Waller in the 1980 offseason for one Bruce Suter. Do you remember Ken Reitz's nickname?
3: The Zamboni Machine. The,
0: the Zamboni. Mm-hmm. Love that. And Ozzy Smith has won 13 gold gloves in his career. The Cardinals actually acquired Ozzy Smith on this date in 1981. Fun fact for you. AJ, great work, and we're going to talk to you tomorrow.
3: All right. Sounds good. All right, Thank you, A.J. A.J. with us on 101 ESPN. Next up, the Cardinals are going to head into the 2021 season with Paul DeYoung at shortstop and hitting in the middle of the order again. Is that going to be a move and is that going to be a guy that is
1: beneficial for the Cardinals for the long term? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: Davey with us on Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN and if the Cardinals do keep the same group of players that they had last year and essentially the year before although they did lose Marcelo Zuna off of the the year before his team they're going to have Paul DeYoung at shortstop and they're going to have Paul young ostensibly in the middle of their lineup. Michelle, I'm willing to throw out last year, although DeYoung got off to a very good start. He was as affected by COVID-19 and getting the virus as much as or more than any other cardinal.
0: Absolutely. He talked about that at length, too, about uh, the fatigue that his body endured and how difficult it was for him to battle the virus and bounce back from it. So I agree. I think we need to just take 2020 for him and throw any sort of numbers out the window.
3: Traditionally, he has been, at least in terms of the analytics, the defensive runs saved, uh, in terms of zone rating, he's been one of the best defensive shortstops in the National League. He also is a guy that, Michelle has over 162 game averages, 29 homers, 90 RBIs, and a 774 OPS. If you could get that all the time, if you could go through—if you could start in April and go through October, even September— And consistently get those sorts of numbers and not have them be wildly inconsistent, Mm -hmm. have great April and May and then nothing in June, July and August and then come back in September. If you could get consistency with those kind of numbers, he'd be one of the best shortstops in baseball.
0: Absolutely. He has the skills to be an above average offensive player. It's just can you not have those dips in production, as you mentioned, the fatigue factor, if you will, and... I was looking forward to seeing if we were going to get that out of Paul DeYoung in 2020. But unfortunately, because of all the circumstances that he was dealt, we didn't get that. But I think if you are the Cardinals, you are looking at Paul DeYoung and you're looking at the numbers and the profile that he projects as a player. And you're thinking, hey, there is reason for optimism here. There's Mm -hmm. reason to believe that he can be a steady force for us. And think about the difference in that lineup. If you're getting that consistent production from Paul DeYoung most of the time.
3: And we need to come to grips with the idea that we might evaluate players differently than the Cardinals do. The last time the Cardinals played a full season, DeYoung played 159 games in 2019. He hit 30 home runs. He did strike out 149 times in 664 plate appearances, and he hit 233. The Cardinals don't care about batting average. They don't evaluate players based on batting average, and they don't care about strikeouts. So from the Cardinals' perspective, that 762 OPS a couple of years ago with 30 home runs and the defense that he played, they kind of like that. And Mo was asked yesterday what the expectations should be for DeYoung in 2021.
7: If all goes well with him, he's he's someone that could win a gold glove, and he is someone that we think can be you know an impact middle-of-the-order hitter. Now, lots of things have to go right on that. I think the one thing you would like to see out of Paul is, is consistency. You know, he's someone that, you know, when you look at 2020, I don't think any of us should try to like read too much into performance or what you saw because, you know, everybody had a different story on the St. Louis Cardinals, whether that was they had COVID, whether they were quarantined, but the, the stop starts were very difficult for many players. And, you know, Paul was someone that, that did contact, um, contract, COVID, and so I'm not sure he actually had the the strength and the same um, um, type of season he might have had, had he not. So when you ask me what I expect from him next year, it's to it's, it's be a really good player. We think he's a talented guy. That's someone we invested in. And we believe in him. If indeed the
3: number six hitter is a middle of the order bat, then yes, the Cardinals do have an impact middle of the order bat because he's an impact number six hitter. Can you win a World Series with Paul DeYoung hitting fourth or fifth? Yeah, if everything goes your way, but he is not, he, he doesn't reach the level of the number four and five hitters that have shown up in the World Series the last few years.
0: As Mo said, a lot of things would have to go right. Mm-hmm. But do you think the Cardinals are looking at it? from uh, the the lens of, is this going to be the player that we need him to be for a World Series contender? Probably not. No, I think they're looking at it from, hey, based on what we've seen of him, can he give us more for 2021 and what, what is going to be an evaluation year and a money-saving year and a year where we're hopefully having some players take the next step? Because, again you have to look at it through through the lens of the Cardinals' philosophy and the way that they're approaching this upcoming season. And if they want to evaluate these like young players and they want to save money, but they also know that they can still contend for the division, which is a realistic goal they're looking at guys like paul DeYoung, and they're saying hey based on our projections and based on what we know from him from a defensive standpoint and hopefully what we get from him a little bit more consistency from an offensive standpoint if we have guys like that provide us what we need in 2021 we have room to save money and we have Mm -hmm. room to evaluate these young players while still being a competitive team within our division
3: and I think it's unfair to compare the Cardinals and their group of offensive players to the Dodgers, but the Dodgers did, did win the World Series. So that's why I make the comparison. And I look at LA with Seeger and Turner and Bellinger in the middle of their lineup, or Seeger, Muncie, and Bellinger, and they don't have Jock Peterson anymore. But if, if you include A.J. Pollock, he's either a number four or a number six hitter. Seeger, Turner, Bellinger, Muncie, Pollock. Paul DeYoung's probably as good at this stage of his career, as good as A.J. Pollock. But the Dodgers don't have a circumstance in which they, I don't believe, are going to hit a guy like Paul DeYoung if he's playing for their team, second, third, fourth, or fifth.
0: When Paul DeYoung is on, do you think he could be the MVP of this team?
3: Not as it's constituted presently. No, because... I, I think every single year, Paul Goldschmidt's going to be a better player.
0: But Paul Goldschmidt, you expect consistency. I mean it to where, or I should have phrased it differently, that he could be the ultimate X-factor for this team. He
3: could be that because if if they can get enough players, if Dylan Carlson winds up being a great player and they get a, a year out of Dexter Fowler where he could hit seventh and all of a sudden... here's what you have to do. You you need Bader to hit second. You need Bader to turn into a player. You need Edmund to be a good leadoff hitter and Bader to hit second so that you could hit Goldschmidt third and Carlson fourth. And then hope like hell, whether it's Andrew Kisner or somebody else, that you have a number five hitter. If you could get into a situation where DeYoung is your number six hitter and playing shortstop the way he's capable of, yes, he could be the ultimate X factor. But I just don't think that his offensive prowess, based on what I've seen in four years, is going to reach the level where he's a world championship number four or five hitter.
0: Probably not.
3: But if everything goes his way, can he be an X factor? Yes, because he he can be as good as anybody Mm -hmm. hitting in the sixth hole. I just don't see it coming in the four or five hole.
0: Which is where you're going to get him probably in 2021.
3: And one thing the Cardinals do need, and we touched on this a little bit earlier is they need a left-handed bat in the middle of their lineup. When you're looking, and maybe Carlson can be the guy, but when you are looking right now at DeYoung, Goldschmidt, Molina as the middle of your lineup, you need some left-handed thump in there. And perhaps Dylan Carlson can be a left-handed power hitter. Perhaps Justin Williams can be a left-handed power hitter. But all the good teams have a left-handed thumper in the middle of their lineup and the Cardinals do not have that guy right now.
0: And I would imagine that you're going to see Williams and Carlson get the chance to be that guy because the Cardinals are probably looking at it as, hey, we need to see if they're capable of this before we look externally.
3: And they're paying Matt Carpenter to be that left-handed thump but we haven't seen that in a while.
0: No, unfortunately. But maybe this is the year?
3: Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) He's he's only 35, right? He's still got some upside.
0: Mm. Yeah,
3: you never know. (laughs) So uh, hopefully Paul DeYoung's the guy. And by the way, it looks like Tommy Edmond is penned in at second base and to be the leadoff hitter. Carpenter is penned in to be the third baseman. And I would think hitting down in the lineup, although I think they'd love to dream that he's going to regain some form and maybe wind up being a number two or a number four hitter. I don't see that happening. Carlson is going to play. Bader is going to play. Fowler is going to play. And then You'll get some at-bats for guys like Williams, and especially uh, O'Neill. He'll, he'll get a lot of at-bats. And they, they would love to, uh, to, to again, like you mentioned earlier, just evaluate these guys and build for 2022. The realistic part of this is that the, the Cardinals are all about 2022 right now. And hopefully, hopefully 2022 will happen.
0: 2022 is going to be awesome. Looking forward to that.
3: Yeah, it's going to be a great lockout. Oh, It'll be one of our all-time favorites, Michelle.
0: I forgot that that was looming, Randy. <laughs> I forgot that that's looming, too. Right. As soon as we make it past 2020 and 2021, then we have that on the table. Are you kidding me?
3: Unreal. Hey, one other thing that's looming, but this is a good thing, is Christmas. Christmas Eve, two weeks from today. And we're trying to help out the kids from the Little Bit Foundation with our 101 ESPN character and Smallman 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser.
0: Do you want a 101 ESPN t-shirt? I know you were getting dressed this morning and you were saying to yourself, you know what this outfit could use? A 101 ESPN t-shirt. Well, you have a way to get it. Go online to 101ESPN.com. Donate at least $25 between now and December 4th. You're going to get that 101 ESPN t-shirt as a gift for your donation. Plus, more importantly, your donation will help the Little Bit Foundation provide a backpack of school supplies to a local student in need.
3: And all we need you to do is go to 101ESPN.com, find our 12 Days of T-shirts page, make a minimum $25 contribution and you can get that free t-shirt plus an autographed holiday card from michelle and me and we'd like to thank our presenting sponsor massage Lux, and a special thank you to t-mobile for making a donation match of 500 dollars to the 12 days of t-shirts fundraiser coming up on 101 espn is miles michael is going to be back and what sort of role will carlos martinez play on the 2021 cardinals that's next on 101 espn
1: we're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions do matter. Time for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by SSM Health Express Clinic at Walgreens. Visit SSMHealth.com for more information.
3: 9 o'clock in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle, we did get a text. Don't forget Lane Thomas. He's another guy that the Cardinals want to get at bats for. And we do have a couple of polls up on uh, the old 101. Actually, we need to put it on the 101. It's on mine. Did you retweet this yet, our polls? No. Uh, I need to. I haven't
0: been on the Twitter.
3: Yeah, We have our uh, Holiday Songs Power Rankings, so you can vote on that. At the moment, Randy's List is leading 59% to 41%. Here is uh, Randy's List of the greatest power ranking of the greatest uh, holiday songs of all time. I've Got As My Top 5. No Place Like Home for the Holidays by Perry Como. Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by the, the Dexter Gordon Quartet. Santa Claus is Coming to Town by B2K. Santa's stuck in St. Louis, uh, <laughs> Run Rudolph, Run Run Rudolph by Chuck Berry, and Winter Wonderland by James Taylor. Michelle has Jingle Bells by Frank Sinatra, Christmas in Hollis by My Buddies Run DMC, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays by Sync, Jingle Bell Rock by uh, Bobby Helms, and All I Want for Christmas by Mariah Carey. So you can vote there, and we also wanted to hear from you about what you preferred in regards to start times for the blues, and we're going to talk to Jeremy Rutherford about that later on But uh, you can vote on our Twitter pages So go do it
0: If the Christmas pow- Song power rankings comes down to a single vote I just would like it to be known That Greg Amzinger Said that Mariah Carey was his vote So that he technically by default Is voting for my list well, So that's another vote for me If just you wanted to throw win, that out Michelle, there. Michelle
3: I will have you know that I am filing a lawsuit
0: Oh and wh- why May-
3: Maybe 51 of them because it's rigged.
0: you want to recount?
3: Uh, even if I go one in fifty one, I'm not stopping. One in fifty in in court.
0: Come on, Randy, you it have a b two k song in there.
3: I know about St. Louis. <laughs> Pretty good. Hey, uh, as Moat spoke to the media yesterday, we talked about some of the injured players, and uh, obviously, Jordan Hicks and Miles Michaels top that list. Are they going to be ready for spring training?
7: I do. Um, recently had an update on both of them. Uh, Miles was actually uh, in St. Louis for most of the month of November. So I, I, I ran across him a few times, but you know, both guys feel like they're in a really good spot. Um, their, their rehabs have gone great. And so as of right now, I, I think uh, they will enter camp and have a normal spring training.
3: So that's a good thing because you want to have a healthy pitching staff because you know you're going to use, lose some during the course of the season.
0: Yeah, isn't that always the thing you need to account for? That There's going to be some sort of pitching injuries that pop up throughout the duration of the season. But when you look at this rotation, Randy, who do you think are your five?
3: I am putting Flaherty at the top. Sure. I'm going to have KK there without okay. question. I'm putting Gomber in my rotation. Me too. I'm going to have Miles Michaelis, a healthy Miles Michaelis. And then I'm going to have...
0: If Adam Wainwright is not back. Yeah, this is yeah. without
3: so Adam Wainwright. Make sure and, and obviously, if, if Wayno is there, then that's your five. But if he's not there, then I have a competition. For me, it's between Reyes and Martinez for that final spot. And Re- it's Reyes' job to lose heading into spring training. What about you?
0: I think that's the perfect way to say it because I think a healthy competition benefits everyone gives people a little bit more motivation in the off season to get their bodies right, to get their minds right, to stay off of scooters with Instagram stars and not do be shooting music videos maybe. But I would love to see Alex Reyes really get a crack at this. If not now when? He's healthy, yeah. he's got a lot of upside. If he's right, he could be electric. But if Carlos Martinez wants to prepare himself as a starter and come to camp ready to prove himself, I'm not going to stop that either, but I would love to see it go to Alex Reyes.
3: So Mo, where does Carlos
7: stand? Look, he has to come in and earn a spot. We, we have a very competitive, potentially our, our rotation being very competitive given all the different arms that would like to start. So, you know, right now we've guaranteed nothing and hopefully uh, he's taking advantage of his offseason, avoiding videos, And, um, you know, uh, when when it comes time to get to Jupiter, he's ready to compete.
0: Most sneaky funny.
7: He is. Which
3: which videos though? Is it like the ones that he liked a few years ago, or is it the ones that he appeared in the music videos? Just
0: also, avoid videos at at, at every all turn. Cost, yeah, every just turn. Stay
3: away from videos.
0: Yeah, don't 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 like anything on social media. If I was him, I would put the phone away. I would get in a compound that had everything I needed to train for the off season, and I would just say, okay, you know what? I need to remove <laughs> every distraction possible. But that's likely not going to happen.
3: No, not at this stage. I think we've kind of we we. We know what we're signing up for. With yeah,
0: him. when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Yeah, right. And you know, you know what you're going to get out of him, and what you won't get out of him, most likely. But I like that John like said nothing's guaranteed with him because I think that was there was very different messaging surrounding Carlos Martinez heading into the yeah. 2020 season. Mm-hmm. A lot of it deserved because he did show up to the winter warm up in shape. He felt mentally prepared for the season. He talked at length about the responsibility that he felt heading into this season. He spoke at length about the opportunity that presented itself and how he wanted to be a starter and he was going to go out there and capture that. So if you're the Cardinals, yeah, you want to ride that way. If you want to make sure Mm -hmm. that he has a carrot dangled there, that he's working towards something and that he's going to do all the right things. But if you're the Cardinals and based off what you saw in 2020 again, and then what's happened in the offseason again, even though You know it's just one thing on a list of many i would be like yeah nothing's guaranteed you better work really hard again but we're playing by our set of rules this time
3: now michelle there is a school of thought that for the sixth year the cardinals have to slowly build alex reyes up by keeping him in the bullpen and mo was asked that yesterday is he a guy that's now a bullpen guy or is he a starter
7: look we have a lot of guys that that would like to compete for starters so we're going to have to probably make some quicker decisions on some versus others, but definitely he should be preparing to to pitch innings as a starter.
3: There you go. So they're looking at him as a starter, but I don't think he's the only one. Ryan Helsley should be spending this offseason preparing as a starter. Uh, They they should have uh, pretty much everybody. He said 70% of their pitchers. Pretty much everybody preparing as a starting pitcher.
0: And for all of the questions and uncertainty that surrounds the St. Louis Cardinals heading mm-hmm. into 2021, if you're a fan, you should be excited about the fact that the Cardinals, again, have all these exciting young pitchers that you're going to get to see. And if it's an evaluation year, that applies to pitchers as well.
3: Yeah, They still envision Genesis Cabrera as a starter. They believe that Zach Thompson would have made the team at some point during last year if we wouldn't have had the pandemic and the, the only 60 games. So there are a lot of guys, not only pitchers but potential starting pitchers that the Cardinals have and at the very least with people like Reyes and Cabrera and maybe even Helsley they'll have guys that can deliver innings because the Cardinals are all about versatility in the pitching now not many innings from the starters and multiple innings from relievers to get you from the end of the fifth to the start of the ninth.
0: And we mentioned that we didn't include Adam Wainwright in that list. Do you think Wainwright comes back and then there's not really necessarily that spot to compete over?
3: Adam told us, and Adam does not lie, that he had heard from multiple teams. Now, has an offer been made? No. But I have to believe that an offer made to Adam Wainwright by another team will be more substantial than an offer made by the Cardinals. And if an offer is made by the Cardinals, then maybe he takes it just to stay in St. Louis. But if money is going to play a role, he can be a really valuable piece for a good team if that has young pitchers.
0: Yeah, with the Mark Saxon report that Yadier Molina balked at the Cardinals' initial offer, I wonder then what the offer to Wayne Wright would be. But he seems more amenable, as he's done mm-hmm. in the past, to a team-friendly deal. I think at this stage in his career, he seems more likely to look at the big picture. Not that Yadi's mm-hmm. not, but... I would imagine if the Cardinals were taking that approach with the Audi, they're going to take the same approach with Wainwright from a financial yeah. standpoint.
3: Michelle, we have a, a tweet up a poll and uh, you need to get involved with this. If you haven't voted yet, you can go to my Twitter page at Randy Carriker uh, and uh, we can retweet it. We just want to get as many votes as possible. Right now, Michelle, we have 816 votes. The question is, do you prefer the blues being out West and playing late or in the central playing at six o'clock versus Detroit, Tampa, et cetera? 816 votes, 930 starts, 7%, (laughs) six o'clock starts, 93%.
0: So we're going to have a lot of upset blues fans heading into this upcoming season because the blues are going out West a lot.
3: Mm -hmm. And we do have some logical responses. Uh, This one, for this season, if they're able to play safely, I won't be picky. Yeah, Which is
0: the right answer.
3: And this one comes from Andrew, Bleeding Blue. 9.30 starts are horrible. Let's go with an early start so I can at least get some sleep. That's what we're saying, too.
0: Yeah, come on. That's also the right answer.
3: (laughs) And then uh, (laughs) voted for 6 o'clock starts, but 8 would be more than ideal. Either of these. Maybe 8.30 because the 6.30 start... On the West Coast would not be bad. There aren't going to be any fans in the stands anyway. So rather than the uh, 7.30 start out there, which would be 9.30 our time, maybe you do a 6.30, which would be 8.30 our time, right? Yeah. That wouldn't be as bad.
0: No, 8.30 is much more manageable then yeah. 9 o'clock, 9.30, anything after that.
3: So we know our friends at the Blues are listening, and if they have any chance to change this, 93% say 6 o'clock starts are the preferred start time over the 9.30 start. 7% of you like those. And you're probably listening in California
0: right now. On the 101 ESPN app. And while you're at 101ESPN.com, do us a favor and donate to our, to our cause right now.
3: It's a great cause. It's for the Little Bit Foundation. It's 12 days of T-shirts. And if you donate at least $25 online now, uh, between now and December 14th, and we do have uh, how many days left? About four days left you can get a complimentary 101 ESPN t-shirt as a gift for your donation.
0: Adam Wainwright, Randy, when he was on with us talking about winning the Roberto Clemente Award, talked about how St. Louis is such a philanthropic place, and this is a great example of how St. Louis rallies to support the people in need here in St. Louis. We're already halfway to our goal, our goal of $10,000. We've already hit $5,000, and we need your help so that we can get to our goal to make sure that the children of St. Louis that are in need of school supplies, of food, just really of the necessities, you know, that we're all looking for, can get it so please help us head to 101 espn.com to contribute
3: and thanks to our presenting sponsor massage lux and a special thank you to t-mobile for making a donation match of 500 dollars to the 12 days of t-shirts fundraiser at 101 espn.com coming up we're going to talk some blues with our friend and blues insider from the athletic
1: jeremy rutherford who's next on 101 espn we're right back to the Character and smallman podcast on 101 espn It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go.
3: Our Blues insider Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic is with Carricker and Smallman now on 101 ESPN on the Braun and Kruppen Celebrity Line. Jr. good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. Good to talk to you guys. Hey, I want to start with this. How do you feel about staying up late for about a third of the Blues games?
2: <laughs> well, when I say this, people are going to say wah, wah, wah. But uh, I wish that I could go to bed when the games were over on the West Coast. But uh, the, Z- the Zooms will start probably you know, 20 minutes after those games are over and start right in about 1 o'clock, maybe finish up about 3 o'clock. So a little bit later uh, if, if you cover the games. But I'm certainly feeling for some of these Blues fans – if indeed this is the way that the division stays uh, aligned.
0: Jared, what do you think the thought process would be for putting the Blues out west and not in the central?
2: Well, I think it was uh, obviously going to come down to St. Louis and Minnesota. And St. Louis had been uh, in the central mix uh, for several weeks when the NHL was, was planning this out. And it looks like, Most recently, in the last couple days, it's flipped, and and now St. Louis appears to be uh, out west, and and then uh, Minnesota in the central. However, I did speak to a couple people uh, yesterday, uh, Pierre Lebrun, who I also know is in contact uh, with the league, and it's a situation where it's not uh, set in stone yet. I mean, it looks like it's going to go this way, and it looks like uh, if, if they come to an agreement and uh, and ratify this in the next week that St. Louis would be out west, according to the planning. Uh, But the people I spoke to yesterday said that uh, nothing is set yet.
3: Do you think this is strictly based on geography because as the crow flies, St. Louis is the closest to the the Western teams, or is there something else here in regards to the Blues being willing? Greg Wyshynski, ESPN last night, reported that the Blues and uh, their TV partner, Fox Sports Midwest, preferred the later starts to the 6 o'clock starts.
2: Yeah, and then I think Greg, who does a tremendous job, came back and, and cleared that up and said that maybe uh, Fox Sports Midwest really had Nothing to do with that. They were going along with what the, the team's desires were. I do think that geography matters here, but I think more importantly the league probably spoke with uh, the Blues and also Minnesota uh, but even there Randy and Michelle I'm hearing conflicting reports I'm hearing that originally Minnesota wanted to be out west and now they're in the central and uh, and of course obviously Blues fans would like the team to be in the central because of those uh, start times but perhaps there's a reason behind the scenes that uh, that the Blues preferred uh, to be out west so we'll find out Uh, in the coming days, but just so many conflicting reports right now.
0: Jerry, I'd also think that if you're looking at some of the potential matchups for the Blues in the Central, you've got a a renewed rivalry with Detroit. Of course, the Blues, Blackhawks, Nashville, you'd see the Lightning. It just seems like from a viewership standpoint that you wouldn't want to lose those matchups.
2: Yeah, wouldn't it be uh, terrific to be in that division? And and you're you're only going to see these Eastern Conference teams in an arrangement like this this one year. This is a one year deal for people who aren't uh, paying attention every day in terms of uh, why they're doing this. They're they're just doing this because of the shortened season and because of the pandemic and and the Canadian border not allowing uh, teams to cross. So they need to have that all Canadian division. But uh, I know Randy. I can imagine listening to uh, game days. When the Blues are playing Detroit, I'd look forward to those oh, yeah. shows. <laughs> but uh, the one thing is, uh, you know, I think that I'm looking really far out here when I say this, but but think about uh, the playoffs because the top four seeds in each division are going to make the playoffs, uh, and you're looking at one versus four and two versus three. So you do have uh, Vegas and Colorado out west who you think will be uh, certainly playoff teams. Uh, Dallas played in the Stanley Cup final And then also uh, St. Louis. So it's it's a pretty good division, but you feel pretty good about your chances of making the top four in that division. And look at uh, what we'll call uh, the mix of the Central and some of those Eastern Conference teams. You do have Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup, uh, and you do have Carolina, Columbus, two really good teams in the playoffs last year. Uh, Nashville a pretty good team. So um, yeah, those rivalry situations would be phenomenal to to have those uh, for a year. Uh, But playoff-wise, I think big picture, uh, it looks like the Blues could make it in either division.
3: Jerry, I think it is interesting when you look at the Blues division, the projected division, and then the Central. You've got Tampa, but then I think the Blues are better than Nashville, Minnesota, Florida, the Blackhawks, the Red Wings, the Blue Jackets, and Carolina. I I think that if you put those 16 teams together in a conference, the Blues, as you mentioned, Blues, Vegas, Colorado, Dallas are four of the five best teams in that conference, and they're all in the same
2: division. Yeah, I agree. A lot of people are looking at these divisions, and, and not just the last couple of days, but last week, two weeks ago when these kind of surfaced, uh, is that that Pacific division was weak because of the L.A.s and because of the uh, Anaheims and such. Uh, And that the blues would fare well in that division. But I look at this division that you just touched on uh, with those other teams, Florida, Chicago, Detroit, that's not very good as well. That's why I'd like to focus on, on the top four, because at the end of the day, that's all that's going to matter. And I think if you look at it from that perspective, you you have two top heavy teams with uh, Vegas and Colorado. uh, But if you can make it in that top four, uh, you will make the postseason. So as I see it, there's three or four good teams in both. and, And I would expect the blues to be in that mix, by the way, when we did that survey a couple uh, days ago, uh, most fans did predict that if the Blues were in that Pacific division, if it played out that way, the Blues could be in that three to four mix.
0: JR, speaking of things that you've put out at the Athletic, you have a great piece up right now looking at the p- potential. It's a mock draft of the expansion draft for the Seattle Kraken. Which players could the Blues potentially lose to that draft?
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, and I've been doing this for a couple of years. I did my first mock uh, protected list for this draft the seattle one back in 2018 and at the time the headline was could the blues really lose david perron again (laughs) (laughs) and and here we sit two years later and it 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 is potentially likely so uh, i think if you look at this the seven forwards that I uh, project, protect, uh, and there's seven, three, one, seven 7-3-1, seven forwards, three defensemen, one goaltender. The seven forwards I have are Tarasenko, O'Reilly, Shen, Schwartz, Robert Thomas, Kyrou, and Sundquist. Now, you might say, why Kyrou and Sundquist instead of David Prawn? The reason is David Prawn's going to be in his mid-30s with one year left on his contract Meanwhile, you have a 22 year old phenomenal skater in Jordan Cairo. And if he ever figures it out, you know, in terms of his all around game, he could be a really good player. Sunquist, three more years left on his deal. He's 26. He's kind of a, a motor for this team. So you hate to say it and you hate to potentially lose David Perron again, but I think uh, that he's a guy. If it's not Perron, you know, I think uh, Sammy Blay or Zach Sanford. Uh, also, you got to look at uh, defense here uh, Colton Preco, to Krug now instead of Alex Petrangelo. And Vince Dunn are my three defensemen. That leaves off uh, Justin Falk. A lot of people would say... Uh, that uh, if you expose Falk you could lose him. I'm not so sure. That contract uh, $45 million over the next seven years is, is pretty steep and I don't know that Seattle takes that on. So those are the players that I'm looking at that potentially could be available for Seattle.
3: I would guess part of it would also be how does Marco Scandella perform this year because he seems to be one of those guys that when Vegas made their selections he, uh, uh, he'll be 31 or 32 I guess coming up that year. He'll have a couple of years left at a pretty good contract and if he has a good year he's kind of a foundational he's not a guy that's a star but he's a nice player to have if you're trying to win
2: yeah, he could be. He's he's an option, but he will have three years left on that deal uh, at a pretty decent number, three point seven, um, in a pandemic era where we don't know that the salary cap's going to go up. He's going to be in his thirties, uh, kind of a dark horse for me. You know, Scandela definitely on that list, but uh, a dark horse for me. Nico Mikola will be eligible for the mm-hmm. draft, and here's a guy, you know, mid twenties, six foot five, with international experience. The Blues would hate to lose him.
3: Jeremy Rutherford is with us. Uh, a couple more quick things here on 101 ESPN. How? Common- confident are you about the NHL being able to pull off what they're trying to pull off? I, I, apparently we're heading into another surge after Christmas and they want to start on January 13th.
2: Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Uh, I think they know that going in. I think everybody realizes around the league, the teams, everybody um, that it's going to be more difficult than it was to put on the bubbles in Edmonton and Toronto, but they're just going to try to push forward. They know that they're going to run into issues like the NFL, like, like, major league baseball and games are likely going to get canceled and the teams are going to be missing players. Uh, I don't know any other way around it. If, if they want to get a season in and, and they want to try to do this, the best they can do is sit down, which they've been doing for months, put these protocols together, understand that there's going to be issues and have reactionary plans in place once they happen. So uh, I'm pretty confident. I think that they've been doing their due diligence just like they did with the bubbles. And I think we'll see hockey in mid-January.
3: And finally, J.R., one obligatory captain question, because the Blues have not anointed Ryan O'Reilly as their captain, as they did, by the way, when Petro was made their captain. They, they had a press conference. They haven't had a Zoom press conference or anything. My question, though, is can you envision a scenario, and what might it be, in which Ryan O'Reilly is not wearing the C for the Blues?
2: Yeah, yeah, I can. uh, And I do think it's going to be him. uh, And, uh, you know, I don't think that's any reach there. I I think he's uh, the leader of this team. But I think that it's a situation where if Ryan O'Reilly said, you know what, guys, I can still lead. You can put the C on somebody else. And if the Blues look at a guy like uh, Braden Chan, who brings a a ton of energy, I know some people are throwing Colton Preco's name out there. I'd rather see him focus on his defense and taking over Petrangelo's role. But if the Blues and Ryan O'Reilly sat down and talked about it and figured out that it might be more worthwhile to put a C on somebody else and and, and have them bring the energy and the passion, whereas O'Reilly can just lead, I think that's a a scenario where you could do it without Ryan O'Reilly. I did hear Doug Armstrong say recently that he's not worried about contract length or anything like that. Ryan O'Reilly has three years left on his deal. Uh, You give it to the guy who's the best candidate today, and then when he's no longer blue, you give it to the best candidate at that point. So that's not a situation where you give it to, let's say, a Braden Shen just because he's got eight years left on his deal. They're going to give it to the leader, and I think that's Ryan O'Reilly.
3: What's at the top of your Christmas song power rankings.
2: Uh, well, I'm listening to a lot of Christmas music in the car here when I'm not listening to uh, to you guys uh, on 101 ESPN. But uh, just, it's you know, the, the Christmas songs, when they come out once a year, I uh, get the kids in the back seat, 11 and 7 years old, and they love it. We start singing those. So I uh, can never pass up on a good Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And uh, my 7-year-old, I guess he's uh, new to everything here. He just learned all these extra words that you can add to the lyrics. So he was getting a kick out of, uh, <laughs> you know, like Pinocchio and yeah. things like <laughs> that.
1: <laughs> JR, always great to have you with us Thanks so much for the time We are right back to the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN What's totally Killing Smalls right now
0: You're killing me Smalls You're killing
1: me Smalls with Michelle Smallman On 101 ESPN
3: Alright We're excited about this Haven't uh, heard yet today from uh, You're Killing Me Smalls. So here we go.
0: You're killing me, Smalls. Brandy, this just in. Time has named their 2020 Athlete of the Year. Would you like to take a guess as to who it might be?
3: A Time Athlete of the Year. Yep,
0: Time Magazine named their 2020 Athlete of the Year.
3: I am, uh, let me think about this. Do you want a hint? Yeah.
0: It's... uh, it's It's a superstar, and it's an obvious one. LeBron. Yep.
3: Okay. That was the first name that came into my mind.
0: I figured it did, but he wins the finals in L.A. the year that Kobe Bryant passes away. He's one of the prominent voices in the Black Lives Matter movement, and I just think that it's a pretty easy one for 2020.
3: Certainly the most prominent athlete of the year. You're killing me, Smalls.
0: You're killing me, Smalls. Thank you, Randy. So there's a list of people that are in the sports world that aren't on Twitter that we would love for them to be on Twitter. As much as we hate Twitter, I, for one, would love Greg Amzinger to be on Twitter. I would love to see what Greg Amzinger is tweeting about Mm -hmm. late at night, maybe when he can't sleep, right?
3: Yeah, definitely.
0: Don't you think Bob Costas would be on that list? He'd be
3: fantastic. Although I don't know if... uh... Do we have 280 characters now?
0: It was 120 or 160. I
3: I don't know. Either way, it's not enough to
0: contain, Bob. It certainly isn't. too constricting for Bob, right? Well, a lot of people thought, oh my gosh, Bob Costas joined Twitter because a handle popped up that said real underscore Bob Costas and it started gaining a lot of followers and a lot of people thought it was Bob. His son, Keith Costas, who we know from MLB Network, he was on yesterday with um, BK and Ferrario, but he's like, no, no, this is not him. Trust me. He is like an iPad guy. There's no way that this would be him. And Bob himself, Randy, actually went on with Rich Eisen to debunk The rumor that it was him on Twitter, and he stated, hey, this is not something I'm ever going to do.
6: How are you, Bob? I'm good, Rich, and it's appropriate that I would be on with you because you have chided me now and then good-naturedly. Are you on Twitter yet? What would it take? What would have to happen before you were ever on Twitter? (laughs) And late last night, and then again this morning when I woke up, (laughs) dozens of texts, some claiming it must be real, some saying this can't be true, and one said... This is the best indication that hell has frozen over <laughs> since the 04 Red Sox or the 2016 Cubs. But I am here to assure you and everybody else yes. that the fires of hell are still very much blazing because I am absolutely not on Twitter. They have taken the bogus account down. And I began thinking, you know, what would actually, what would I have to do before I ever deigned to be on Twitter? What, like binge-watch the real Housewives of Orange County? <laughs> Tire, hire Rudy Giuliani as my personal attorney? <laughs> Make a return trip to Sochi just for the nostalgia of a Pink eye episode? <laughs> Star in a school to basketball? Or, or just for you, just for you, Rich? Yes, Bob. Make a special trip to the NFL Combine. All those things will happen before I'm ever on Twitter.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's not going to be on Twitter. And by the way, Bob is a flip phone guy. He's oh. not a smartphone guy. So it's not like he's going to just pull his phone out of his pocket and say, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to tweet. No, he's he is when you text with Bob, he's very conservative with his words. And so, no, I don't see him as uh, clearly a Twitter guy.
0: He said he'd rather relive the pink eye incident yeah. than get on Twitter. So, that should tell you all you need to know. But he's so self deprecating and funny. Don't you want that to be on social media? I would love to. No, see Bob because Co- my, Bob Costas my on concern
3: social. would be that uh, Twitter could even drag Bob down.
0: Yeah. We need to protect Bob. Yeah. That's a Definitely. good point, Randy. You're killing me, Smalls. All right, well, LSU, we know the defending national champions, Randy. They said, you know what? This year, we are going to self-impose a one-year postseason ban as part of that ongoing NCAA case. You may remember that they had recruiting violations. There was that stuff about Odell Beckham. But they said, we are just going to go ahead and take one for the team here, and we're going to self-impose a postseason ban. It should also be noted, Randy, that LSU has a 3-5 and record, and they have two games remaining on their schedule. So...
3: So they're really they're really penalizing themselves big time because certainly with that record, they're in the hunt for the college football playoff. Wouldn't you think they win a couple more and they could probably win that whole ball of wax. So you think about the sacrifice that they have made and they've understood the error of their ways, and yeah. they they know now that what happened at their institution should not have happened. I really appreciate An organization, an institution, when they understand that they have done something wrong, taking it upon themselves to punish themselves in the harshest way possible. Mm -hmm. So I really do admire the LSU uh, administration for doing this. It's It it really is heartening to see.
0: Yeah, they said, you know what? The NCAA, you've waived bowl requirements this season, Mm -hmm. and yes we're three and five and yes we've had so many players opt out and and you know what yes we are bowl eligible technically but we even though we may be in the discussion for the craft hype fight hunger bowl or whatever it might be we're going to self-impose this ban how selfless of them randy
3: oh no doubt about it and i'm sure the ncaa will say well you know what Missouri had a bowl ban last year So apples to apples You're both in the SEC So we kept them out of a bowl game last year We'll keep you out of a bowl game this year
0: They really lucked out with this one
3: I wonder if the NCAA is going to say Yeah, that's good Probably For LSU? I was just going to say
0: it's LSU So of course they will you're killing me, Small. Wanted to give a shout-out to a friend of the show, friend of St. Louis, Taylor Russolino. We, of course, yes. remember him, our kicker for the St. Louis Battlehawks. He has been signed to the Denver Broncos.
3: It's about time. He deserved an NFL opportunity well before this. If Vic Fangio sees fit to try a 65-yard field goal at home in the last couple of Broncos home games... Taylor Russelino will break the NFL's all-time record of a 64-yarder hit by Matt Prater of the Broncos, and he will make his way into the NFL record books. He's Love that. that. Good.
0: Well, he hit a 58-yard field goal. Mm-hmm. We remember that. At the Dome. At the Dome. So I think he's capable of it. But I'm just so thrilled for him, a-, a guy that even after the XFL stopped operations, continued to do work. great work here for the frontline workers in St. Louis, and I'm just pumped that he gets this opportunity, and we'll be cheering him on.
3: Yeah, and... Gets to hang out with Drew Locke and Albert O. The uh, huge contingent of St. Louis and Mizzou friends with the Broncos now. And we're we're Dolphin fans here.
0: What are you trying to switch? our allegiance? No, I'm
3: not. No, Dolphins are going to the playoffs.
0: That's right. It's two a time.
3: Yeah, we're bandwagon jumpers big time.
0: You know what I forgot to tell you? What? I was cleaning out some stuff at my parents' house. You know, everybody has that closet at their parents' mm-hmm. house that still has some of their stuff in it. And my parents like, get this out of here. My dad has kept my Dan Marino jersey from when I was a little kid. I went through a period there, Randy, where I didn't take this jersey Uh off. I wore it all the time. I was obsessed with Dan, the man, and I would always wear this jersey. I got it. It still fits.
3: After 75 hard, 70 hard so far. 70
0: hard so far. So we, gotta wear that. we need the Dolphins to get a win. And then on a victory Monday, I'm going to be wearing our Dolphins colors. Awesome. Thing. I love it. Yeah. So we, we're we real fans here. We're real fans here. You're killing me, Smalls. Finally, Randy, you're a golf guy. I am. So we had to work this in. Michael Jordan has a very exclusive golf club called The Grove 23, but it's in Roman numerals. So it looks cooler. Uh-huh. It's in Hobie Sound, Florida, in, in South Florida. And... The amenities for this golf course are supposed to be off the charts, Randy, including members getting their snacks and beer delivered to them via drone.
3: That's pretty incredible. You have to have a pretty good drone driver, I would think, so that you don't hit somebody in the head. But I I think the idea is amazing. Michael used to come here to St. Louis. His sons would play in a summer league here in St. Louis. They would participate in a summer camp. And so Michael would get together with some of his friends, including Ozzy, and they would go around to some of the best courses in the area. And when Michael would play at my course, Fox Run, he would tell the gentleman that ran the halfway house at Fox Run that we had the best halfway house in America. I can't imagine that Michael could have a better halfway house than the one at Fox Run, but that is a pretty cool idea. And I hope somebody else comes up with delivering drinks via drone
0: especially during a pandemic yeah i imagine there's probably an app or something that you just pop in what you want carolyn wozniacki by the way posted a mm. video of this which is why it got some traction of a bag of snacks just being dropped right there to her there was a, uh, a crate of beers that was dropped Amazing. to the ground that has to be pretty nice that so you don't have to interact with anybody or say hey oh where's the where's the beer cart or whatever you could just boop, boop, drone there it is i
3: wonder how hard it is to get on that course if you go to spring training and you want to play golf at Michael's course? I wonder how hard it is.
0: I think for some of those guys, they might know somebody to get him in.
3: No, I'm talking about for me.
0: Oh, for you? <laughs> uh, well, you know, you know people, Randy, that could make a call for you. I'm sure you could get in. Let's see
3: if we can make this happen. I, uh, yeah, I, I have a buddy that ha- is a friend of Michael's. So, there you go. So I know people that know people. At least I don't know people, but I'm, uh, I'm within six degrees.
0: Come on, Randy, flex those resources. If you you are down at spring training...
3: If I go to spring training in a couple of years, I will.
0: You can figure it out, I'm sure.
3: Um, I'll I'll talk to somebody. And uh, we want you to join us. See, you know somebody that knows somebody, because we know the Little Bit Foundation, and the Little Bit Foundation is all about helping people that need help at this time of year.
0: So here's what you need to do. Head to 101ESPN.com and if you donate at least $25 between now and December 14th, we're going to kick you a free 101 ESPN t-shirt as a gift to your donation, but your donation is more importantly going to help the Little Bit Foundation provide a backpack of school supplies to a local student in need, and learning is hard enough in 2020. Let's help these kids out, and thank you to everyone who's already donated. We're halfway to our $10,000 goal, so thank you.
3: And we do have four days left, so you can go to 101ESPN.com and uh, make your contribution. A special thank you to our presenting sponsor, Massage Lux. And also today, thanks to T-Mobile for making a donation match of $500 to the 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser. Find all the details you need and make your donation to our 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser at 101ESPN.com. Danny Mac joins us next for the crossover towards scoops on 101ESPN. We appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Yep. Thanks, guys. See brother. That is Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls. We are right back to
8: the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Um, I would look at this year, though, potentially as currently constructed, maybe, and I'm going to counter myself here in a second, but as a transition year yeah. because of the, of the, the, the money that's on the books with Carpenter, uh Carlos Martinez, Dexter Fowler, and Andrew Miller. That's a lot of money. So you 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 get that off the books. There's not a ton that's committed to other guys. I mean you've got Miles Michaelis, uh you DeYoung is really I mean that's a He's very inexpensive f- it's yeah. a friendly deal for what you're getting. Um you, you're gonna have some ARB guys that are going to make more money. Maybe you try to extend Flaherty so there's you know that money could be there But the other part of that, even if you are in a transition year, as I said before, look at the division. Yeah, Look at what the Reds Mm -hmm. have just given up. So they're trying to trade Sonny Gray. They've given up a great guy in Iglesias. Bauer is not coming back. They've really taken a step back. You can say what you want about Schwarber, but in a normal season, he's going to hit 30, 35 home runs. That's a lot of power that's out of your lineup for the Cubs and who knows what they do in the season if they maybe try to trade guys, if we get back to some normalcy, and they kind of reset. Division is there for the taking. Yeah. And the Cardinals have a chance because of their pitching to stay in these games. In a transition year, you have a chance to win your division. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, and they have young pitching coming. yeah Zach Thompson, Libertor There's a couple others that they really like at the lower levels that, again, are another wave of that. So, you know, it, it, they could... You know, do you do you rip the band aid of, of Yachty and and Ueno and and say, wow, we're really taking some people away and kind of doing a different, you know, transitioning the franchise? But to me, I think you bring them back, and and you you're certainly going to be in the in the hunt. What do we have coming up with the Thursday edition of Scoops? Ryan Fagan will talk about the Mo press conference. Um, talk a little bit about the Ford C Frick winner, uh, which was one Al Michaels, who's one of my favorite broadcasters. Ever. People always ask me, like, who do you love listening to? I will stop and listen to Al Michaels. I will stop and listen to John Miller, Vince Scully. I mean, you know, just mm-hmm. just some average guys. Did you know?
3: Yeah. I didn't realize this until I watched on MLB Network. The last baseball game that
8: Al Michaels broadcast was the final game of the 89 World Series. I did know that. I listened to a podcast with him. I think it was um, Jimmy Traina, maybe or something like mm-hmm. that with Sports Illustrated. And uh, Jimmy asked him, he said, Hey, would you, you know, you were really good at baseball. And he really was. was He was exceptional at baseball. And he said, um, He said, man, he goes, I I don't think I could do it. Like, I'd get back in there. He's like, It's a totally different game than the one I was doing. Now, could he do it? Of course he could do it, and he'd be exceptional at it. But he's right. I mean, the game has totally changed from when 1989, which was the Earthquake Series Mm -hmm. with Tim McCarver and Jim Palmer. And I've told. Tim, and we talk about, he's very close to Al Michaels, so we talk all the time about our favorite guys and what makes them great, and he tells me how great Al Michaels is, and I said, awesome, that just reaffirms that I'm right. (laughs) That <laughs> yeah, was right. Like That's really hard to say that Al Michaels is great, but he's the best. I, I think he's, he's exceptional. Fantastic. Yeah. Looking forward to your show.
3: Thank you. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks to our producer engineer, Tanner Hendrickson. Appreciate it. Thank you. Michelle, this was fun. I am winning right now, but we want people to go to our Twitter pages and vote because you do have a comeback chance in our Christmas song power rankings.
0: Let's check those results in a few hours, Randy. Okay.
3: <laughs> Somebody's setting something up here. You got Christmas songs? Power
8: rankings of Christmas songs. What's your number one all time? Oh, Holy Night by Josh Groban. Good
0: call. Oh, so good. Love his version. Yeah,
8: his
1: whole. Oh, Holy Night. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise.
0: Grab a 30 day free trial
5: of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.